Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. For more information about that and everything happening at Pearl River Resort, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. You can always join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business to learn more Visit ceasefire.com slash business. Good Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, and uh, Brian Haydad. Bad news for Boom Go the Cannons. Uh, it's not going well against Man City, who is uh, red hot in the old EPL over the last few weeks. And uh, yeah. the, the, the Cannons are, are trailing, I believe, at least at last check. I'm sure Haydad is one of these. You, 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 you've bottled it. It's over. No chance. Over is this the you have lost this title? Is this a championship match? No, but if they win, if City holds on and wins, they'll be only two points behind with two games in hand. They will certainly overtake you for the top of the, the table. Well, if they're two points behind and you both got two games left and you win your two and they win no, your two, no, don't you? That's not that's not what I, that's not what that means. Two games in hands mean means they have two more games to play than you do. Oh, oh, okay. So you need so a couple of draws they, they, or a couple of losses from City. Even the couple of draws, unless if you if they match you, they would tie, and I think they have you beat on goal difference. So that they're, they're going to win the title. I mean, second is great. Don't get me wrong; it's, it's fine, especially yeah, well, considering where you were. Yeah, this All is America. Second place is, is the first loser. So, yeah, that's right. Top four is is a fine finish over there. Yeah, I guess so. Watch I bet uh, Chelsea would Chelsea would take top four, buddy. With a just like that, <laughs> top eight, top six at this point, jeez. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that I never really jumped on the uh, hot spur train that yeah. seems to have gone off the tracks a just a bit along wreck. the way. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, it has been. Uh, Borky, that's your EPL update for this Wednesday. Uh, thankful for it. <laughs> yeah, glad to, glad to get that. Hey, right? I did watch Ted Lasso last night. Season three, you know, it's just. Kind of not as good as the first two. It's fine. I'm enjoying it still. I don't feel like I'm wasting my time. It just doesn't have that magic that the first two seasons had. 
Yeah, I watched. Uh, we actually watched episode three last night of season three, so we're a week or two behind. I, I saw it does get better. The first week couple so. were especially not good compared to how it's gone since. Yeah, they um, they introduced a couple of storylines that were like, eh, okay, of course we got to do that because you can't have a series without introducing storylines that are appealing to some. So uh, yeah, that was maybe a little. I don't know. I just got away from like the wholesome Ted Lasso stuff. It com- turned into social commentary. It, so it comes back a little, but there's more social commentary. It's it's fine. Uh, so there's your soccer update, Ted Lasso. Hey, we got the draft tomorrow. We do. I, let, may I throw some numbers at you? Bring them. Sure. The footprint for the draft site in Kansas City, and they're using Union Station, which is an active train station and the World War I memorial in downtown Kansas City as the backdrop. The footprint is 3.1 million square feet. 3.1 million square feet. That is a million square feet larger than either of the last two drafts in Las Vegas and, oh, where was it before Las Vegas? Cleveland. It's an altogether different setup than what they had in Nashville in 2019. Nashville drew a record 600,000 fans for the draft. And the scenes were, that's six Neyland Stadium's worth of people to watch players be selected to their future homes. You remember the... uh... The, the girl that got her bachelorette party ruined because yes. she didn't yeah. know it was the draft? Yeah, yeah that's kind of on <laughs> you. Got to research those things. The, uh, the reporter that did that story uh, actually is a, a friend of mine. Uh, we, we, were, we were good friends in high school. Uh, mm. But, yeah, that I will never, ever not laugh at the image of the bride and I assume the maid of honor with those scowls on their face. God bless her And that's her the husband. maid of honor's fault, right? Isn't yeah. her job to do the research yeah. and set everything up? Yeah. But but mm-hmm. did none? I mean, here, but poorly. here's another question, though. I don't know how many girls were involved in that. Generally, it's 8 to 12, right? Somewhere in that neighborhood. Did Ish. not a single husband or boyfriend say, Hey, babe, you don't want to go to Nashville that weekend. Did not one of them no, say, No, 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 hey, no, because the husbands and boyfriends that heard about it, like, oh, that's cool. They're going to be in Nashville for the draft or the bachelor party. They thought it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of the husbands and boyfriends were like, oh, this will be funny. This will be funny when they get there. We'll, we'll all get a laugh out of hey, this at the wedding. The, those scowls tell you that those two guys, they, they didn't find it funny when, when she got home. That's for sure. Yeah, maybe so. The <laughs> theater structure, the stage and the canopy over it, is 378 feet wide by 176 feet deep. It's basically a little bigger than a football field. And then it's going to be like the tallest structure ever because they want Union Station to be the backdrop. And so it's like a canopy that goes up and it's going to be open across the back and they're doing LED video screens that are custom made in these arched windows. It's incredible. Somebody at the NFL, uh, what was her name? It was uh, Miss Keenan, Katie Keenan. We always want to make things bigger and better. When you see it in person, it's just massive. $100 $100 million estimated economic impact to Kansas City. That's according to the calculations put together by 
visit KC. All right, so here's some of the particulars. 10,018 square feet of video screens, including 1,433 LED video panels, most TV screens ever, and uh, seven and a half miles of fence line, temporary fence line, seven and a half miles, one and a half miles of concrete barriers, 500 truckloads of gear, 168 total loudspeakers and subwoofers and more than 400,000 watts of sound amplification power. It's insane what they spend on the NFL draft. I mean, they've got the money to do it. No big deal. Whatever. And, and the ratings are unbelievable, man. Uh, They're I mean, huge. So, so Warriors... Um, Kings broke a long-standing first-round record. They, they there hadn't been a first-round NBA game with a television number that good in 21 years, and it was just over 10 million people. Mm. The, dra- the draft's going to kill that tomorrow. Sure it is. It's just going to kill that. It's not an actual game. Not a game. It's just a live event. Months away from games. Live Players event are- where NFL is in the title. And it will kill a real sport with a record-breaking number. It will beat every World Series game. All of them. Mm -hmm. It might beat the college football playoff games. It might. That's a tougher ask, but but it might. Ceasefire text line to Wayne and Brandon. All of that just to tell a college kid where he's going to play football? Yeah. Jason Columbus, just another reminder of how dumb college football slash ESPN slash whoever is for not making National Signing Day a full-blown wall-to-wall spectacle. They ruined it. They need to send it back to February, which is one of them. Have one. Coaches are asking for that. Question, how do they pick where the draft will be held? That's from Adam in Monticello. Radio City Music Hall was the home for a really long time. Mm. And then they decided to make it a road show. Very this is the first time that they've done it in the city of a reigning Super Bowl champion. Hmm. Yeah, because they had it in yeah. Cleveland, and we know that didn't happen. <laughs> had it in Nashville. That didn't happen. Aw. Buddy, there are had some it in people... Philadelphia with the Rocky Steps in the background. Yeah. Uh, th- there are some people that think there might be some quarterbacks falling. We've got some Titans fan in our li- fans in our listening audience. It's more Saints, Cowboys, but for you Titans fans, there are people that think that, like, uh, C.J. Stroud might fall to Tennessee, mm-hmm. like that that there might mm-hmm. be so, some dropping happening with Stroud and Richardson. Well, if you're Tennessee, you better hope not, because the whole Ohio State quarterback in the NFL thing hasn't exactly been the most. Uh, rewarding experience for the teams that have taken those Ohio State quarterbacks. Who's been the best? Troy Smith started for a while in Baltimore. Terrell Pryor? Played wide receiver. Dwayne Haskins had some starts before he passed away. Yeah, Haskins would have been the guy, yeah, before he unfortunately passed away. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like, I don't know if that's great news if if Tennessee's getting C.J. Stroud. And how about the fact that Tennessee is perhaps picking a quarterback? Now, in fairness, for all the first-round talk about Malik Willis a year ago, they ended up getting him in the fifth round. 
So it's not like he was really an expensive acquisition. And he was not good as a rookie. Not good. Go figure. Never could have seen that coming. We'll be back. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And she's always gone too long. Anytime she goes away. Wonder this time where she's gone. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line. Again, 601-879-4395. We were chatting a bit this morning. And there's probably some layers to this. I guess we should start by talking with the Governor's Cup. Mississippi State wins 2-1 to one last night, final in that ballgame in Pearl. I don't know that that was, never mind what the actual outcome was, I don't know that many people would have guessed that 2-1 to one would have been the final. It was another one-run ballgame. Two of the worst pitching teams in the country, and three of the four games were relatively low scoring. Yeah. Three run three one run games and a two run game in the four that were played. Mississippi State won three of the four on the year. Smaller crowd last night. That has routinely been a game that draws over eight thousand people. There were about sixty six hundred there last night. Uh state two runs, five hits, no errors. Got their first run on what was it, back to back doubles. The ground rule double yeah. by Hunter Hines scored the first run in the first inning. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Luke Hancock with a double, kind of, to left. <laughs> You're being generous. Um, John Kramer lost the ball in the lights, had it hit, and then jogged after it. Was not a great look on that play. That made it 2 to nothing. Ole Miss got a ground-out RBI from Garrett Wood. And that drove in the Rebels' only run in the seventh inning. Mississippi State used six pitchers. Evan Ciari, Brock Tapper, Parker Stinnett. He was good. Three innings, three strikeouts. Tyson Harden, Casey Hunt, and Aaron Nixon, who got the save at the end. Combined ten strikeouts by Mississippi State pitchers. They walked five. Ole Miss did not capitalize. Grayson Sonier, not bad for Ole Miss last night. Three and two-thirds through 70 pitches, three hits, one earned run, couple of walks, four strikeouts. Also, Braden Jones pitched, Sam Tacoyan pitched, and Mason Nichols pitched. Tacoyan took the loss in the game. Sierra got the win. He was the designated starter for Mississippi State. Ole Miss pitchers, 10 strikeouts, two walks in the game. So plenty good on the mound, but no offense last night for Ole Miss. Ole Miss had four hits in the game. All four of them were singles. And two were, were from Kemp Alderman, who, even though they were singles, Lost in the garbage that has been Ole Miss baseball this season, he remains having one of the best power hitting seasons in school history. Guy's special, but other than that, yeah, no offense. It is 
So we talked about it going into the game that the outcome wasn't exactly consequential. You know, winning is winning helps Mississippi State some because as we talk about at times, the committee looks at it, you know, in, in a way like an SEC win. So they still have a puncher's chance. You know, they they got to rattle off some wins and they got to do it right now. But you know, it, at least you don't feel like you've been knocked out of things. For Ole Miss, I mean, the the number was ten and two going into last night. It's still ten and two. It, it seems extremely unlikely. Mm-hmm. But you made reference to the play earlier. Um, uh, an outfielder that doesn't play much, losing the a ball in the lights is not. It happens, man. It, it happens. So you make mistakes on a sports field. You make mistakes at your job. You make mistakes as a parent. You know it happens. But when that ball goes over your head. Lollygag. Just use the word. Lollygag to go get that ball. That was the first time this season. Now they've had games where they've had bad at bats and they've had games where players have done things that aren't exactly smart like getting picked off and stuff. But after I saw that play, I thought, okay, that's that's the first sign of quit. Yeah, and... Quit feels like a dirty word a lot of the times, right? When when you're talking about it, and you you hate to put that label on it, but that was not a good look on that play for uh, for John Kramer, especially for a guy who was making his fifth start of the year. It was only the fifteenth game that he's played in, and he's been getting a little more playing time as of late. And that's a that's a tough look. And it happens. We've all been there. Like everybody's been there. He, and I'm sure he, John Kramer would like a redo on that. I'm sure he would like to bust it to go pick up that ball. I'm not sure that it changes anything in terms of the outcome of that play. I don't know that he's getting back, getting the ball, making a throw to the plate, and throwing a guy out. No. you know that, that scored on that. It probably he's not third. No, he's not doing that. Hey, Jordan was on third for that right. play. He was scoring once the ball hit the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And it was going to be a double regardless. I mean, Luke Hancock wasn't getting a triple out of that. He wasn't getting an in the park home run. So. Nothing materially changed, but it just it didn't look good. And Borky, your point's a good one. Ole Miss is twenty-one and twenty. They are three and fifteen in the SEC. At no point this season, in any game, have you seen any player where you're like, you know what, they mailed it in. And maybe that was just a weird play. You'd love to give the benefit of the doubt. But it didn't look great. No. It didn't. I don't think that's a reflection on how Ole Miss will play this weekend against Georgia. I think they'll play as hard as they possibly can against Georgia, desperately trying to win all three games. Maybe they will win all three games. Maybe they get swept. Maybe they win the series. Maybe they lose the series. I think all those outcomes are are out there. But I can't imagine that you're going to see a lack of effort from this Ole Miss team. It's just kind of not how Mike Bianco's teams have ever looked. No. The fact is, they're not a great. They're they're not a very good baseball team. They're not a terrible baseball team because there's a lot of talent on the roster, but they have been wildly inconsistent. They have had trouble putting it all together. Mason Nichols talked about that in his post game interview with Brad Henderson last night. He's like. Just another night where we pitched it pretty well but didn't swing it. But on the nights where we've swung it pretty well, our pitchers have let our hitters down. I mean, he he wasn't throwing hitters under the bus when he said that. He was like, it's just this inconsistent thing that we've had this year. I don't know why. 
I have no idea why that has been the case this season, but they have not been able to regularly put together a night where they played good defense, swung it well, and pitched it well. And that's six of seven losses, by the way, the one win being Arkansas State. So, rock uh, rock bottom. But it, that did stand out to me. Again, you know, human beings do things. I've given poor effort on days. It, you know, it happens. But I, I, that, that moment did stand out to me, considering how everything else has gone. On the flip side, State won. On the flip side for State... It's so frustrating watching Mississippi State play because they play games like this where the pitching looks good and then they are striking guys out and they're not putting a whole. I mean, five walks isn't a ton, and you just look back at their season and all the games they've given away: Kentucky, Auburn. They gave away I think two this past weekend. The Friday night game against Ole Miss, they they couldn't get anything going offensively. The VMI game, the ULM game, they could be in the mix. They're they're I think I don't know how the season's going to finish out. But I think this team is clearly better than it was a year ago. I think they're more talented than they were a year ago. But they just do so many things wrong at times. They give themselves no chance to win. I think there's a conversation here. There are actually a couple. And it's not a particularly fun conversation if you're an Ole Miss fan. Since October 22nd, when Ole Miss went to Baton Rouge, 7-0, and and ranked, goodness, what were they ranked? Top 10? They were top 10 in the country at that point, right? At 7-0? and Headed to yeah, Baton Rouge yeah. for a Saturday seven, afternoon CBS game at 2.30. And they got beat by 25. The, the bright spots... For Ole Miss athletics in football, men's basketball, and baseball have been few and far between. So from seven and zero to eight and five, when it was all said and done, the only win after October twenty second in football was that three point win on the road in College Station. That was a good win. Don't take anything away from them there. But the November 12th gut punch against Alabama where they're taking a shot to the end zone. Look, if Ole Miss beats Alabama in that game, they control their destiny in the West with two games remaining in the regular season. But they lost that game by six. And then you have the debacle in Fayetteville. And then Ole Miss was a no-show in the Egg Bowl. Mississippi State gets credit. 24-22. 24-22. In some ways, Mississippi State was a no-show in the Egg Bowl. Neither team played particularly well. Neither team looked like it was like, there's nowhere on earth I would rather be than on this field trying to win this game right now. Neither team had that look, which was different for an Egg Bowl. And Mississippi State won the game. Let's pick this up when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Listen to that work. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. 
Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at uh, supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us. So, somebody said Richard's stirring some stuff up. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not stirring anything up. In fact, maybe the opposite of that. Ole Miss Athletics is in kind of a weird place right now. The the end of the football season was disappointing on a lot of levels. Disappointing on the field, and they lost five of their last six games after starting 7-0. and Disappointing off the field with the way the Lane Kiffin-Auburn stuff went down. But was it, when it's all said and done, Ole Miss kept its coach, added some nice pieces through recruiting and transfer portal, has gotten better at the quarterback spot, and upgraded... I think, yeah, upgraded at defensive coordinator, maybe significantly. Basketball was a disaster. We all know that. But on the backside of that, Ole Miss went out and hired Chris Beard, who by statement of most people that cover college basketball at worst would have him as a top 10 coach nationally, and there are a lot of people that would say he is a top 5 basketball coach. And so there's some excitement there as he works on trying to put together a roster. And then there's this baseball season where you've got Ole Miss sitting at 3-15 and 15 in the SEC, unlikely to qualify for anything in the postseason. Not impossible, but unlikely. But it's a season that, as bad as it is, it's coming on the heels of a national championship. And so I think for some people, that has softened what this season is by a lot. And so when you look at the last six months, November, December, January, February, March, April, you're an Ole Miss fan. It's been pretty bad. Yeah, terrible. And and and, and if you add on to that, what in those sports they have done against their in-state rival, Mississippi State, it becomes worse. Because out of all of that, there's one baseball win. There's a football loss, two basketball regular season losses, and three out of four baseball losses. And so that magnifies it a little bit. And yet I feel like Ole Miss fans are in a place where there is not this crazy level of despair. I think people are cautiously excited about football season. I think people are very excited about the future of the basketball program. And I think people mostly look at Mike Bianco's track record of almost two and a half decades and say, this that is happening right now in 23 years has happened once, and it's this season. And it's on the heels of winning a national championship He's getting the benefit of the doubt to try and fix this and fix it in a hurry. But it's a weird place that Ole Miss Athletics is in the last half half year. Yeah, I think obviously I think Ole Miss fans believe in Kiffin. I mean, he's a good coach. You know, it, it went badly there at the end, but the distractions of the Auburn stuff I think played a big role in that. You know, you have to believe in Beard from a basketball standpoint. There's no reason not to. The guy's been a winner everywhere he goes. I mean, when you have a bad season and you change the coach and you get a good coach, then there's just naturally going to be some enthusiasm and some excitement and optimism 
around that. And then, like you said, with Bianco, I mean, and agree again, sort of the same thing with State a year ago. When you win the national title the year before, I mean, there's only so much complaining you can do, right? There's, I mean, you, you can't come out and be taken seriously about talking about firing the coach after, you know, months after winning a national title. You can't do that. So, But the thing, see, tanking, right, in professional sports. People, there were some Saints people that said, don't go after Derek Carr, they should tank instead. And, and my response was, that's easy to say in March because you're not playing any games. You're not sitting and suffering through the misery that is watching a team lose on purpose. And by the way, your example of that from the NBA right now is the Houston Rockets. Yeah. When James Harden requested his trade, they decided they were going to break it down and try and build it back up. They just hired a new coach. They got Ime Odoko that used to be with the Boston Celtics. Tillman Fertitta says that's the next step in the process. But they finished last in the West for three straight years. I mean, could you imagine as a fan sitting through that? I couldn't. I mean, it's just brutal knowing they're not trying. And I'm not saying Ole Miss is not trying, but a, a similar principle applies. It's easy to say, and I've, I've heard it from some, some of my friends and people that I talk to, it's, yeah, but the the natty, and it's like you're projecting. You're miserable right now. And the basketball thing is a little bit different because if you were looking at the team and the program objectively, that outcome was inevitable. There was no, there was absolutely no way, no way that after they decided to retain Kermit Davis and then you saw what he brought in via the transfer portal, they were making the tournament. There is no way that was happening. So at least you got to expect that, or at least you should have expected that. There are some people that were talking about how it's a tournament team. It never was. Never was. So that that helps. But being in it magnifies it a lot. The championship was only 10 months ago. That was 10 months ago. How much more of this can a fan take using that as their crutch? And you mentioned it, and that's the crux of the conversation, is State has owned them in that time. And you said it this morning, I'm stealing your take. It's not like these have been great Mississippi State teams. Not a bad football team beat Ole Miss in Oxford, but not not a great one either. Mississippi State basketball made the tournament. Chris Jans did a great coaching job. They couldn't score, and they beat you twice. And the baseball team is in such a way that a lot of state fans are calling for their coach to be terminated, and yet he still beats you three times. And took the series from you last year when you won the national title. I mean, these are the two of the worst baseball state baseball teams of the past couple decades, and Ole Miss can't beat them. Hey, Ed, you're, you're doing a great job containing yourself, not having a big wide grin on your face as we have this conversation. And look, well, I mean, I mean, if you're a Mississippi yeah, State yeah, fan so. listening to this conversation, then you're like, yeah, yeah, about time you guys talked about this. But the reality is we've seen the shoe on the other foot as well. It's not a fun cycle to go through. And I guess maybe the larger well, question it, is, is this as... Hunter and Columbus said just a second ago, just one of those years, or is there there's something larger? And I think most Ole Miss fans right now think this is just one of those years. Yeah. 
And it's, it's always cyclical. It always it hasn't been in baseball. Now baseball state has had the advantage now seven straight years for whatever reason. I mean, it's weird. This this year both teams are bad. At last year both teams were bad at the time they played each other. There have been years where both teams are good, but state has just had that advantage. Whatever that is, call it a freak of nature. But especially with football, it's so cyclical. It, it really is. I, I truly believe, and I know Ole Miss fans don't want to hear this because they're paying their coach nine million a year, but. Neither team will ever truly separate from the other. There's never going. I don't think there's ever going to be a time when we look up and State has reeled off five straight nine, ten win seasons, and Ole Miss has, has been five and seven, six and six, seven and five that time, or the other way around. I don't think that'll ever happen. Both teams will have up years and down years. That's just the nature of it. Basketball, State's had a little bit of an advantage historically, but now Ole Miss, like you said, they've got a fantastic coach in place uh, to, to elevate their program. So we're, you know, we're going to have to. See. I think I think we may be about to see. I mean, really for the first time, I mean, you had Kermit's first year, both teams made the tournament. But you never had an extended streak where State and Ole Miss were both pretty good in basketball. They were both making the tournament year after year. So maybe that's about to happen uh, here with, with Chris Jans and Chris Beard. So, again, I just, yeah, I think it's just one of those years. It's great to be on the on the right side of that, and I've been on the wrong side of it before. So we'll just see where it takes us. And, and right and wrong, by the way, is in the eye of the beholder. Obviously, one hundred percent. Clearly, <laughs> there, we've got some texts of so, people that are like getting therapy out of this conversation. Like, really, just their day has been lifted by this conversation. But again, the larger question is: Is this a blip for Ole Miss? Not so much as it pertains to Mississippi State, right? I mean, I, I don't think looking at your athletics program exclusively through the lens of your in-state rival is a healthy way to go. Like, I, right. I think your goals should be larger than that. But the truth of the matter is, from the top of the university, all the way down to the fan who just has an affinity but has never even stepped on campus, everybody at Mississippi State is in lockstep on the most important. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, hey, Dad, because Mark Keenum has said it himself. The most important thing is to beat Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ole Miss has taken that approach with the way that it looks at the rivalry, and maybe that's a difference. Maybe. But Ole Miss needs to start beating Mississippi State in some stuff. And again, maybe it's a one-year blip. We'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Supertalk Mississippi. Line. Somebody said, can you please enlighten us as to when the shoe has been over on the other foot and Ole Miss has dominated in all the sports in the calendar year? I was just going back and looking at the, the football series. So since this thing returned to campus in 1991, 
91 to 94, Mississippi State won three out of four. And by the way, there are different ways that you can slice this so that you get different outcomes in terms of a three year or four year or five year window. Um, 95 to 97, Ole Miss won two out of three. But if you want to say 96 to 99, Mississippi State won three out of four. 2000 to 2004, Ole Miss won four out of five. Mississippi State then won five of the next seven. Ole Miss had the stretch from 2012 to 2015 where they won three out of four. You know, 2016 to 2019, Mississippi State won three out of four. Ole Miss has won two out of the last three, but if you want to go longer than that, you can say Mississippi State's won three out of the last five. So there have been some pockets. Neither team has run away with the series in football. The last time you had a streak of four consecutive wins in the series, if I'm looking at this correctly, was 83, 84, 85, 86, when Ole Miss won four in a row. Mississippi State won three in a row in 9, 10, and 11. So, yeah, since 1983, four straight wins is the longest streak by any team. But I mean, hey, Dad, are, are there are there years that pop to mind where you go, you know, yeah, oh, this was just I, I mentioned better to that guy and everything. So in 2014, so I guess that's a 20 goes back to 2013. State did win the Egg Bowl, but they lost both basketball games and uh, lost three out of four in baseball. And then the next year, so that would be the 2014 Egg Bowl, State loses. They split in men's basketball, and then Ole Miss got all four in baseball that year. And then Ole Miss won the next Egg Bowl the following November. 2015 Egg Bowl, yes. Yeah, 2015. But then you get into the uh, the 16 baseball season where State wins the series. So you right, kind right, of right. Evens out. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So, yeah, there have been some pockets where it's been on the other foot. It's wildly frustrating for Mississippi State fans when it happens. I mean, basketball, and I mean, obviously State got two this year, but for most of the last few years it's been like a split deal where one team wins one and one team wins the other. Kind of what we saw with Kermit Davis and Ben Howland over the course of their overlapping tenures, right? Yeah. Or is that not right? Well, I mean, Howland, uh, he had trouble with AK. And I think he I think he lost, I think he was two and four against Andy Kennedy. I could be wrong on that. And you know, he had more success against Kermit. He split with him basically every year. Um, I mean, but you know, you think about before that with Stansberry, Stansberry dominated Ole Miss. I think he, mm-hmm. I think his final final record against Ole Miss was like twenty three and seven, something like that. Yeah. And if you want to make it department wide, where you pull in all of the sports, you know, you're pulling in volleyball and women's basketball and men's and women's tennis and men's and women's golf and soccer and all of that stuff, then maybe you get a different outcome. But the focus for most people. And this is not a slide at women's basketball. It's just not. The focus is football, basketball, baseball. Yeah. And and for most fans, that's where the conversation stops because you're, you're being judged as a department based on how you do in those three sports. Correct. And for Mississippi State and for Ole Miss, those are the three sports that produce revenue. So. Interesting times, man. Yeah, it, it is. So, so again, I go back to that question of 
when you're talking about Ole Miss and the, the frustration kind of from the end of football season through this baseball season, and and, and that's after the football season team got off to a 7-0 and start and climbed to number 7 in the country, has it just been one of those weirds where like there's like this just series of stuff that happens? And you look up a year from now, and maybe the conversation is completely different than it is right now. It's possible. It's possible. You know, with Ole Miss, I you know I have questions about them this this football season, but I know they're going to be good offensively. So I, and, I mean, if they win eight games, I'm not going to be shocked. Well, and and how do they win eight games? Right? I mean, yeah. Last year's eight and five season for Ole Miss in football was a disappointment because of the way that it happened. Yeah. If this team were to go eight and four and then say get to a bowl game and win a ninth game, it might look entirely mm-hmm. different and feel entirely different. And then you got a ton of excited. momentum going into the following year. Yeah. If Chris Beard puts together a roster that is competing for a spot in the NCAA tournament, you feel completely different about basketball. And basketball is going to have a different feel to it next year regardless. It's a strange time. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books. Kendall Rogers joins us next. is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, 4 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, coming to you as always from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com to book your tee time or plan your trip. Kendall Rogers for his weekly visit, joining us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879. I'm sorry. That's the Ceasefire text line. That's how you can be a part of the conversation. 601-879-4395. Kendall joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Good afternoon, Kendall. Uh, how's it going? Good, man. Uh, really good. So we're at a weird place right now for baseball in the state of Mississippi. Ole Miss yeah. sitting dead last in the West at, at three and 15. Mississippi State at six and 12 and a daunting final four weeks of the regular season. When you look at this from where you sit in Texas covering college baseball, how do you think we've gotten to this point? Well, I think the biggest thing for me when I look at Ole Miss is I, I just think early on, you know, you we you know, you look at the Mallets injury before the season, you com, you combine that with the Hunter Elliott injury early this year and this is like a double whammy. I thought this was a year for Ole Miss where you where you looked at the this team and went, you know what, we like this club offensively and for the most part they did fine offensively, but we you know, we like this club offensively. But outside of Hunter Elliott, there's some you know, there's some question marks. Like, you know, guys like uh, Grayson Sonye and and Jager Rivas, like they really have to prove it. And, you know, when you take Elliott and Malik out of the equation, they changes the dynamic of that pitching staff. So they were just behind the eight ball a little bit at the start of the season. I mean, if you would have told me, 
they'd have this record. I would have thought you're crazy, but still, that's kind of how it got kick started for them. I think for for Mississippi State, um, you know, I I watched the series over the weekend, and I mean, that was just a really hard fought series. I, I did not watch that series and go, oh man, Mississippi State's just flat out awful. Like you know, whereas like a month and a half ago, I think you would watch Mississippi State and say that. Um, I think that was just a really hard fought series, and so. Um, you know, I think when you look at these two teams overall, you know, and, and I look ahead to the remaining schedule, you look at Ole Miss with three wins, Mississippi State at six wins. Um, you know, two, two notes. One, Mississippi State has the fourth easiest schedule remaining in the SEC, an interconference schedule. So that's looking at teams they have left on the schedule versus the combined records of other teams, you know, other SEC teams. That are, that are playing series and conference as well. So Mississippi State, the fourth easiest. Unfortunately, uh, you know, when you look at that, I mean, that, that, that tells me they've got a pretty tough road ahead. I guess the only, I guess, silver lining for an Ole Miss fan is they have the easiest schedule remaining of anyone in the Southeastern Conference. Wait, hold so on a second. Hold, that, hold on a second. I got to stop you there for, I got to understand that more. So Mississippi State has conference series remaining against Tennessee, LSU, Arkansas, and yeah, you know, hey, you know, actually, I'm sitting here looking at it. I actually am reading it backwards. So, <laughs> so it's the fourth most difficult. <laughs> okay, so here, right? This, hey, I'll, okay, so to, to back myself up here, this story is on D1Baseball.com, by the way. So I just read my own story wrong. Um, so the the four toughest schedules remaining. I'm sorry, are Kentucky. In order, if you haven't seen Kentucky's remaining schedule, good lord, good luck. Uh, yeah. Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and then Mississippi State at four, and then Ole Miss is at fourteen. So okay. if you if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're looking at it and going, "Hey, you know what? We might have three wins, but we have the easiest remaining schedule, and so they at least have a pathway." For Mississippi State, it's at Tennessee, Arkansas at home, at LSU, and Texas A and M at home. I, mean, that's I think they can. I think they can split those four. I, I think. I think they're going to get Arkansas in a good spot. Uh, Arkansas is not playing very well right now. They did not play well at Georgia. They did not play well midweek. We'll see what happens against A&M this weekend. So I think they're going to get Arkansas at a good time. Uh, I do not like their chances this weekend, to say the least. Especially if Nate Dome isn't going to go. Uh, and then you know, obviously LSU. I think is going to go great. Uh, and then they've got A uh, and M at home, and and A&M's pitching is really erratic, and we know State can hit. So. I mean, I think they can go two and two in those final two series, which would put them. I mean, it would put them within striking distance. They would probably need to win a game or two in Hoover to get in. All right. So when you say you think they can split the final four series, that means you think they can go six and six in their last twelve league games. I do. I do. One hundred percent think they can go twelve. I think they can go six and six. Yes. Which would finish twelve and eighteen with an RPI of what thirty thirty two? Yeah, being that thirty to thirty five range, they would need to win. They would need to win a game or two. I do think this is a year in the Southeastern Conference when you look at how deep this conference is as a whole. If you can win thirteen games, I think you're getting in. That's the magic number for me. I, I think, think you want to get fourteen to be safe, but I think if you win thirteen this year, you're getting in. All right, so let's do the same thing with Ole Miss's schedule that you said is the easiest in the SEC, final four weeks of the regular season. They host Georgia, who for the last three weeks has played really well. they got to go to Missouri, yeah. who right now is the other team not in the SEC tournament. They host Auburn, and they go to Alabama. What does Ole Miss do over its final 12 games? I think they – I think they. I mean, 
this might sound kind of crazy right now, but I think they win three out of the last four. So I think they win the Georgia series at home. I think they win Missouri. Missouri, speaking of bad spots, Missouri's in a really good in a bad spot right now. And I just think Auburn's one of those teams that, like, I think Ole Miss actually kind of matches up well with because Auburn struggles with the same things Ole Miss struggles with. And if I'm the home team on, on, on with two similar teams like that, I think you win that series. So I actually think they win three of the last four. So that's eight and four, eleven, roughly. and eleven yeah. is not enough. They they would need to get to they would probably need to get to Saturday in Hoover. Yeah, or certainly Friday. is a uh, certainly is a difficult tall path. task. But Ole Miss certainly has a history of playing well at the Hoover Met. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. I suppose. What's the series that you're looking at this weekend that really stands out for you? Well, I mean, I think you kind of start with with uh, you know Arkansas and A and M. I mean, I think when you look at that series, that that is a series that could be a tie turner for A and M in terms of their hosting chances. Right now, they're not in the mix at all. Uh, but I mean, if you win that series, you're talking about they would have a series win on on the road against a top ten RPI team. In five straight SEC series, it's so strange. Like, I talked to a and people I know here around Houston. They're like, oh, man, we're a bad baseball team. But they've won four straight SEC series. So, like, I don't think they're great, but, I mean, they're certainly not a bad team. I think Kentucky and Vandy, I mean, when I look at Kentucky's remaining series, I actually feel like this is, like, their most winnable one uh, in terms of how they match up with teams. They're catching Vanderbilt at a time that Vanderbilt does have a couple injuries on the mound. You know, Carter Holton has kind of been in and out a little bit. Um, they've had some, you know, they've had some other arms in and out. Kentucky goes on the road to Vanderbilt. That's the other big one for me. I mean, Kentucky, Kentucky needs to find a way to steal the series this weekend. And it's kind of funny, you know, they're the number two team in the RPR right now, and we didn't have them as a host because I think they lose every single remaining series this season. Uh, I think Georgia and Ole Miss is really interesting. You know, Georgia, uh, if you look at the last three weekends, you know, they almost took a series from Florida, they took a series from Kentucky, and this past weekend they took a series from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And then now they go on the road to Ole Miss. So this will kind of tell us, like, hey, has Georgia turned the corner? Or is this kind of, you know, Ole Miss's launching pad, so to speak? And it, you know what? And the last one for me, like, I'm not just going to totally give up on Mississippi State. Like, I, I do feel like they've played better the last few weeks. Uh, they can certainly hit. Uh, but, boy, against Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee's moved Chase Burns the back end of the bullpen. He's been electric back there. I mean, they're playing with a lot of confidence. I mean, they've they scored, like, a, a bazillion runs in the last three games. By the way, because you've referenced it a couple of times, the closing four weekends for Kentucky at Vandy, hosting South Ugh. Carolina, at Tennessee, hosting Florida. That's how it finishes out for Kentucky. Good, good luck. Good luck indeed. Yeah, I mean, I think they. Yeah, I think they lose. I, I think they win four more conference games. SEC Freshman of the Year: Charlie Condon at Georgia. Granted, he's a redshirt freshman, or Ethan Petrie at South Carolina, true freshman. Oh, I would go with Petrie. I mean, I, I think when you look at what he's done this year for that team, you take Egan Petrie off of South Carolina's club, they're still a good team. Uh, they're not who they are. You know, you look at the base percentage, OPS, home runs, RBIs. And the other thing for me when I look at Petrie, like he's just an overall athlete. I feel like Condon uh, is a really solid hitter. He's kind of a one-dimensional player, whereas Petrie, you know, is a pretty solid defender. 
And when you look at his approach, I kind of go back to his approach against Paul Skeens a few weeks ago when I was watching them. You know, he took an inside fastball, the inside part of the plate that was low, and kind of golfed it out for a home run. Like, that just shows me what kind of mature offensive approach he has. So I would go with Petrie. And honestly, I mean, I would not take even Petrie over Dylan Cruz. But there's an argument to be made for him as player of the year over Dylan Cruz. But give me Dylan Cruz all day long. Whoa, 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 whoa. How is there an argument to be made for him over Dylan Cruz as player of the year? There's people making it. I mean, I've, I've had, I've had, I will not name names, but I have group chats uh, with other people in the industry that, that are debating it with me. I mean, they just think when you look at his power numbers in conference, his, his average in conference. The, the thing I go with with Dylan Cruz that just sets him apart from anybody else is number one. I mean, he looks like the best player in the SEC by far. He his on-base percentage is over 600, which is just, I mean, absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. in the Southeastern Conference. And, oh, by the way, he's a premium defender. So he yeah, literally he checks every single box imaginable. Kendall, thanks as always for your time. Good college baseball stuff. We'll talk next week. You got it, buddy. Talk to you later. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. D1Baseball.com. Give him a follow on Twitter. Kendall joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. I know winners and losers is Monday. Courtney Cronin deserves to be on the winners list. Remember Courtney Cronin that covered Mississippi State for a couple of years at the Clarion Ledger, did some digital reporting, moved on to Chicago, Minneapolis, bunch of she's on around the horn right now on ESPN. Yeah. National host superstar. on ESPN radio. Say what? Still a good friend of mine. She's a superstar. She's still a good friend of mine. Yeah. She's been incredibly successful and yeah. Has done a great job navigating like a continuous rise in her career over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Cool to see. Yeah. Really cool to see. Um Man, like th- baseball's one. depressing right now. It really is. <laughs> what is? Baseball. Just this co- these conversations. Are just just terrible. It's well, it's awkward too, right? Yeah. We're, we're not used to these. No. And baseball carried us through content-wise. Now, we spent months not talking about any sports because they didn't exist, and we did, we did great. So we'll be fine. I'm not worried about us. But there's going to be a lot of I don't know what to do with my hands when the, when the baseball season ends. And uh, We could always go back to the Doosan Bears and the KBL. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Who's your team, hey, Dad? It was they had a Giants team, didn't they? That's right. They I think there, stick, there was a Giants they had to team. Stick with it. They were terrible. Yeah. Forky, who did you yes. adopt? I don't remember. I didn't watch. What one do you pitch. mean you don't remember? I didn't watch a pitch. I'm waking up at four a.m. to watch baseball. There was nothing else on. You bum. You, you DVR it. DVR. What, what is this? Two thousand six. Yeah. Isn't you it? Don't still call it. I DVR? wish it was. Record? It, it, what, what you just, it just it just doesn't 
It doesn't happen. You don't have to because you can always go get and get it on demand. I mean, that, that's the thing. It, it's streaming has ended. DVR you need to record things. Yeah, just, what if you want to go back and watch them again? It is frustrating, can. though, man. Like first world problems as a sports fan. If you did happen to want to watch a game later, you basically can't do it unless you just love just watching the game, even though you know the outcome. I mean, I've got five, six different sports apps that give me push notifications all the time. And even though I, I turn them off, I want some of them on, breaking news or whatever. I want that to show up on my phone so I don't have to be on it 24-7. But you you can't like record a game and then go out to dinner and then go home and watch that game later. People are texting you about the game. You get push notifications on your phone. You can't. Well, you don't respond to text, so that shouldn't be an issue. I don't respond to text <laughs> from you guys. I do respond ah. to text. There's a difference. Hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. So yeah, like it's, an uh, says at least at least they had announcers. We haven't talked about that. That last night's stream had no announcers, had no sound whatsoever. I feel like I was half right. There was no stream. I was half right on that. Yeah. I would almost argue that if that's what you're putting out there, just don't. Don't do it. Might as well do it. Look, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure there's somebody that somebody will get angry about this. Maybe. No, no, I don't think any of you that are listening will get angry about this. But I honestly think it's time for Ole Miss and Mississippi State to say to whoever is in charge of putting these games on, whether it's the Braves organization or a promoter, or or whatever, whoever it is that in, is in charge, say, this year was a disaster. You had the Southern Miss issue, too. The, the streaming yeah. issue. It, yeah, Southern Miss is involved in two of the games. Yes, yes. Yeah. Put Southern Miss in it, too, for the, the college series games. Who I have no idea who is in charge. But I honestly think that it is time for Keith Carter and Zach Selman and Jeremy McClain collectively to say to whoever it is that is in charge of this, all right, we've all got great ballparks. We all have great video staffs that produce video content for our departments. In the case of Southern Miss, all of their games are on ESPN Plus and they're produced at a high level with announcers who are prepared. In the case of Ole Miss and Mississippi State, they're all on the SEC Network Plus with announcers who are prepared. The The quality level is very good. Either show us on paper with a plan how you are going to fix this or we got to stop doing these games. Yeah, Because it's, it's 2023 and it's unacceptable for fans who can't go to the game to not be able to watch their teams. When if they were just played in Starkville, Hattiesburg, or Oxford, you would be able to watch. Richard, there are area high schools where you'd be I mean, able yeah, to no, watch. Yeah, no, I understand. That's what I'm saying. It's it's not that hard. But but that's not okay, Borky. It's not okay to produce these games the way area high school gives. And that's not a knock because it's a really good job that some of the high schools do. They've got students and departments oh. that are committed to doing it. But it's not produced the same way... The knock is on the people who are putting these games together. The promoters—that's that's who this knock is on, and it should be. It's 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 unacceptable, and I saw it on like to use. It's unacceptable 
to have in this year to not be able to watch this game and have it just be a normal viewing experience with the crowd ambiance, with a play-by-play announcer, with a color commentator, with the camera not skewed to the left, with the field not coming up as you're trying to run to first base. None of that is acceptable, and they they have to fix it before you can continue on like this. Because you you think about it, you know, this is all about customer. By the way, these tickets aren't cheap. You no. go see a baseball game in Starville or Oxford for you know ten bucks. You cannot you cannot go see these games for less than fifty sixty bucks for college baseball per person. You're not that much off of college. Yeah, per person. You're not that's that's almost a football ticket. That 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 can't continue. You're doing your fans a huge disservice. And it puts a stink on the entire event as well. Because not everybody lives in the area. You know, it's our most populated area in the state, but it's not the only populated area in the state. Yeah. I just I, I don't understand it. I, I, I don't understand. Uh, unless the financial guarantee to the universities is so big that they just can't afford to step away from it, and and I'm sorry, I'm I'm not trying to put an end to the Governor's Cup. I'm not trying to put an end to Ole Miss and Southern Miss or Mississippi State and Southern Miss playing in Pearl. I think it's a cool thing. It's in a nice minor league ballpark. It's a really Trust cool Park thing. Trust Park is a good setting. Yes. I mean, other than last night, Ole Miss and Mississippi State have drawn 8,000 people for like 10 years in a row in that building. It's easy to get to right off the interstate. Like, like it's, there's a lot of good that is is tied into this. But if you're going to go so cheap that that's what you put out in terms of the way the games are streamed from a video standpoint, then you're losing the rights to do it. We'll just do it on campus. That That's what I would say. I don't make the decisions. I don't disagree with you. I, I, I mean, it's it's just... Do the, do, do the M-Braves have their games streamed on television? Uh, not I mean, not television, television, but, but yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Have you ever watched one? I have. Is the quality different from what you saw last night? Yes. Mm-hmm. Better, I'm assuming? It's better. You know, it's frankly, uh, to be transparent, it's not as good as what you get on the SEC Network Plus. I mean, even things like cameras and stuff. No, are, I feel like probably what they do is double up the video board feed on their TV broadcast. I'm guessing. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, it, it's very similar to what you got with uh, Ole Miss and Southern earlier when the game got cut short, but they, they do have the, the radio team that is tied into that. It, it looks like what it did uh, on that uh, no contest that happened earlier this year. That's what it looks and feels like. Which is better than the, the crap that was last night. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. Agreed. Agreed. The, even the one you're referencing, Borky. It needs to be the same that you get in Starkville, Oxford, Hattiesburg. It it's needs not good to be enough. At that, that, that's 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 the baseline floor expectation. And if it's an infrastructure issue, you got to fix it. If it's a, you have to bring yeah. in a television production truck to be able to do it the right way. Sorry, if we're going to play these games, and you're the promoter. You're that's going to be part of your cost. Hmm. Or we'll just play them on campus. I, I, it's, I mean, 
This is not 1998 where we're like on, or, or, or 2001 where we're in the infancy of video streaming. Most people aren't worried about buffering at their house anymore. Doesn't even happen. Ceasefire has made yeah. it okay to not have buffering with fiber to the home. You got it everywhere. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll take a timeout. More with you coming up after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Junction in the Grove and to the top. Don't yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line open to you, 601-879-4395. Thanks for joining us. You want to be a part of the conversation. That's the best way to do it. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. We've told you for a while, a busy, busy time of the year at M-Trade Park. There is baseball going on. There is fast pitch going on. And um, you got some soccer tournaments that are happening as well. U Triple S A baseball this weekend, and it is a huge tournament. Doing the double decker NIT, one hundred eight teams are registered this weekend. Next weekend, a super regional NIT tournament. It's got an entry fee, eighty teams so far. A double A tournament on May twelfth. And then another big tournament, uh, a double state qualifier the last weekend of May with 66 teams signed up at this point for that as well. 14 turf infields, natural grass outfields, got shade in the areas uh, kind of uh, seating by the dugouts. There's a new team store that's in place, concession stands, and the tournaments are done top-notch. Big-time top-notch. If you're involved in scheduling for your team, for your son or daughter's team, be sure you're checking out the schedule at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play mtrade. Um, going back to our conversation with Kendall, the very first thing I asked him, how do we get here? Do you buy what he was saying about Ole Miss and Mississippi State? With Ole Miss, he pointed to a couple of preseason injuries, Hunter Elliott kind of sending them into a bit of a tailspin, certainly didn't see them being 3-15 and in the league at this point, but maybe you could kind of see it coming with some of the injuries. And with Mississippi State, what, talked about inconsistency? That's what I said earlier about State, that they have at least four or five games they could have won, but they they, they 
they do things that cost you games. They, you know, especially earlier in the season, they seem to have gotten it under control a little bit, but they walk guys. They put guys on base for free, so they and they couldn't control the base pass. You remember early in the season, everybody was running at will on mm-hmm. Mississippi State. You, you, if you got on first, you were going to second. Uh, defensively, they had a lot of errors. They found a way to sort of curtail that a little bit now. Then taking Forsyth out of the lineup has helped that. But, I mean, when you give away runs like that, that's how you lose games. So, yeah, state, state yeah, inconsistency is the right word because when they're, when they're playing their best, they have a lineup that can rake, and they have, they have some talented pitchers there when everybody's healthy, but they just haven't been able to put it together for more than a couple of games this year. Yeah, I think pointing to injuries is a cop-out when you're looking at the other side. You're looking at Ole Miss. Mm, you're gonna have to tell me more about that. Uh, they, they do other things poorly besides don't have enough pitchers. The bottom of the lineup is awful, uh, regressed, strike out too much. Uh, they've been bad in the field at spots. They're bad on the bases. They're often offensively they disappear uh, at times too often. Just saying. Well, the only reason Ole Miss is having a bad year is because pitchers got hurt. Nope, absolutely not. No, 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 not the only reason. That's but certain, that's, that, that but that's the starting point for, for looking at... But they do other things really poorly. If you're trying really to diagnose poorly. why... That, that's a place to start, but they do other things really poorly. I think that this coaching staff is being completely honest with you and completely honest with themselves. They, they, they do point to the injuries on the mound. But I think they would tell you they believe they were going to be better offensively than they have been. I, Mike Bianco told us at the beginning of the year he thought this team was going to hit. And they did early, but they have not in conference play. And you, you pointed it out. I mean, bottom of the lineup, I mean, it, it's it's just a fact. Peyton Chatagnier and T.J. McCants have struggled at the bottom of the lineup. Jacob Gonzalez has been remarkably consistent, but you anticipated that his home run numbers would be more than they are. Kemp Alderman is having one of the best offensive seasons in Ole Miss baseball history. What, 18 home runs, mid-50s in terms of RBI. OPS is off the charts. Batting average is up over 400. This was for a guy who, who could not lay off a slider in the dirt two years ago. Like, if you threw it and it spun, he was swinging at it and he was missing it two years ago. Groff's been solid. Leger has swung it better as of late. Calarco's been fine. Calvin Harris has been a good hitter this year. If all that's true, then then how do they disappear so often? I mean, isn't that kind of the great mystery here? Yeah. I mean, if if you look at Ole Miss's SEC stats in comparison to their overall stat, I mean, uh, sorry, I was pulled up football, not baseball. In the SEC, I know batting average is not the end all be all, but in the SEC, an everyday starter is hitting 102, 138, 230, 240, 259. Those I mean, are everyday starters in conference look, play. All right, SEC only numbers. Jacob Gonzalez is hitting 324 
with 13 extra base hits, but he's got four home runs and 15 runs batted in in 18 conference games. Those numbers are good, but for your All-American shortstop, you, you need them to be better than that. Calvin Harris is hitting 309, but he's only driven in six runs. Kemp Alderman is the outlier. 297 with six home runs and 17 runs batted in. And that he and Gonzalez are the only two that have driven in double digit runs. Leger's hitting 259. Groff's hitting 240. Calarco's hitting 230. McCants hitting 138. Schottenye hitting 102. Almost has a team batting average in 18 SEC games of 238 with an ERA of almost seven. Yeah. P- pitching doesn't fix that. No, it doesn't it doesn't fix the hitting piece of it. But this team's record is better in conference play if Hunter Elliott <clears throat> excuse me, if Hunter Elliott has started all season long and if Josh Mallets is in the mix. But they're not. And every team deal, deals with injuries. And you have to figure out a way to overcome that and almost is not. At Mississippi State, a rash of injuries a year ago. What do you have to do? You have to figure out a way to overcome it. Or you don't. And they didn't. Not because they didn't try. Not because they weren't playing hard. Not MLB. You can't call guys up from from the local high schools. You can't make trades. Guys get injured. You just don't have that guy anymore. You don't have anybody to replace him. Yeah. And when you think about a pitching staff where you got guys that are struggling, you've only got so many pitchers. Right? And you can't take a guy that throws an 84-mile-an-hour fastball and just stick him in there because he throws strikes. <laughs> the result's not going to be much better. So it's, I don't know. Now, perhaps I am polishing once again. Borky, should I read that message? I was, uh, I have to scroll back for it. I don't know if I can find it or not. You know the one I'm referencing? I do, but we don't need to read those. Okay. There we go. Um, D1 Baseball's regional projections, LSU number one overall. South Carolina, the number three overall. Vanderbilt, four. The the Vanderbilt as the number four national seed the weekend after getting swept by Tennessee is interesting. Arkansas gets swept to Georgia. They hold on to the number five spot. Coastal Carolina moves up to six. Florida, seven. Um... Tennessee in as a two seed in Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, it's spicy. They're paired with Arkansas. Can you imagine Tennessee going to Arkansas for a super regional? It's got to be that way. It's got to be, doesn't it? Yeah. That would be great. That would be great. So Mississippi State last week was in the field as a three seed. They lose two of three at Auburn. They're now out of the field. See what happens this weekend. It's just going to happen, right? I mean, they're not dead until they're completely dead. Yeah. But there are some folks that are perhaps making sure that. Ah, sorry, I'm not going to take that sure. analogy any farther. 
Let's say you know, arrangements are being made. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Uh, the Nashville Metro Council has approved the Tennessee Titans $2.1 billion stadium deal. Over a billion dollars of it will be funded by public money. There are a lot of people that don't like that. There are a lot of people that do. But here's what you here's what you know, right? 60,000-seat stadium, translucent roof, going to sit along the Cumberland River, the city of Nashville is going to host a Super Bowl, probably multiple. The city of Nashville is going to host multiple Final Fours. The city of Nashville will end up hosting a college football playoff championship game. Maybe some semifinal games. I, I, you they'll know, they'll allow tailgating the in Nashville, I bet. Yes, I, bet, I, yeah. I would anticipate that that is, is a true statement. Yes. And it looks good, right? I mean, it's great. I think there's going to be like an outdoor music venue that's attached to it as well, and it'll be fantastic. It still looks like a gigantic Top Golf, but I'm sure it'll be pretty awesome. I mean, Top Golfs aren't ugly, are they? No, I mean better than the Roomba in Vegas. Yes, it is more attractive than the Roomba in Vegas. I still uh, sidebar the fact that the city of Nashville built a brand new. Beautiful, apparently just an outstanding venue for the soccer team, and offered Vanderbilt the opportunity to use it for their football games. Brand new stadium, mm-hmm. not a high capacity, a little bit less than than what Vanderbilt Stadium currently holds, but has every bell and whistle that you can think of, all of them. Brand new, beautiful stadium, and Vanderbilt said no. I, I still can't wrap my mind around that. Somebody else is building a new stadium for you in your town, and you say, nah, we'd rather have what we have. It blows my mind. Which they're renovating. Lipstick and pig. Uh, maybe. I think it's it's fair to wait and see what it looks like when it's all said and done. And the renderings are pretty cool. But, yes, they are working with a – they are working with a pig. We'll see if they have any access to any uh, makeup other than the lipstick. Does it bother you that all the stadiums that are being built have roofs? You got to these days. Nobody wants to sit in the heat. Nobody wants to sit in the rain. Yeah, yeah you got to have a roof. Is it okay that it's not a retractable roof, that it's just like a translucent uh-huh. roof and so the light will get in all the time? <laughs> It's like the people with retractable roof stadiums never really open them. Yeah. So, you know, it's just when you're, you know, with the price of tickets, what it is these days, you don't want to go there and just be miserable. 
So you got to do this for your fans. I have no issue with it. I was reading some of the Twitter comments of the stadium and said something about the NFL continuing to sell its soul. And other than Buffalo and Green Bay, and by 2040, NFL football will be an indoor sport. I don't know. It's kind of become a made-for-TV thing anyway, and if it's indoor, you never disrupt television. Right. But, man, one of the all-time great things is like watching Monday Night Football when it was the Bears and the Packers on Monday night in a snowstorm or a driving rainstorm or sideways wind. And some of those fan bases, like the Packers and the Bills, they love it. They embrace it. They they don't have a problem sitting out in the elements. But when you're talking about down in the south – here when it's still a hundred plus degrees in October, it's tough. Yeah, Borky's tough on stadium design, right? He's quick to call Nashville Top Golf. He's quick to talk, call the Texas Rangers the Sale Barn. Because he's quick to call Indianapolis lazy. an oversized. I mean, when you Madison when you Walmart. spend two point one billion, you, you know, maybe you expect it to not look like a Top Golf. Right. Mean, give, give the Falcons credit for something. That stadium doesn't look like. No, anything I, but a stadium. Although the little toilet bowl thing in the top, it took them an extra what few hundred million dollars to get that thing to open. But otherwise, Ca- yeah. camera lens, not toilet bowl. Yeah, camera lens. Yeah, I don't know how how many toilets open and close like that, but you know maybe a fancy bidet or something. But no, that stadium's beautiful on the outside. Looks great. No, no, no snark there. Hey, Dad, you a bidet guy? Never been on one. Boy, this is a topic that might be interesting to go down. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. We need to go any farther. I just was curious. Just, just, just curious. Yeah, never, ne- never had the the pleasure of using one. Mm. You, uh, you can join us on the ceasefire <laughs> text line at six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Have to if you don't want maybe, to. Maybe you can answer the question: Are you a bidet guy? You collectively. Do you think we will ever see covered college stadiums? No. They're just no. so expensive. Schools aren't schools aren't going to spend a billion dollars like that. They don't have it. Or or, or two billion. Yeah. Two billion in this case. Ceasefire text line, you will never feel so fresh. <laughs> college football fix. That's how we will start the 5 o'clock hour when we come back with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Day attachments are apparently a thing. 
Hey, if you don't have a full-on bidet, you can get an attachment for your existing toilet. Oh, I thought you were saying that you can get, like, an attachment, like, for accessories where there's, like, a little arm that comes out that'll hold your device for you. That's not what he meant. I watched a guy on YouTube put a, a fish tank in his bathroom, and I thought, I want that. Cut out a hole in his wall, put a fish tank in there. It was awesome. That's about top of the line until you get to the Japanese toilets. Some of the names of these bidet products are impressive. The Clear Rear. <laughs> just going to, just that right right there. Bio bidet. The, the oh. Brondell SMB 25 side-mounted all metal, uh, metal attachable bidet. That sounds, that sounds like the one I want. The more technical, the better. The yeah. Eco Toilet Bidet Dual 7 8 Nozzle Cold Water Spray Non-Electric Bidet. I don't like the Eco term. Nothing I do in the bathroom is environmentally friendly. The Fresh Spa Comfort Plus Ambient Temperature Non-Electric Bidet. Not just comfort. Comfort Plus. You got my attention. The Tushy Classic Toilet Bidet Seat <laughs> Attachment. Mm-hmm. The oh. Lux Bidet <laughs> Neo 110. Oh, man. Here's uh, one that they describe as contemporary and stylish. Hey. Oh, the Butt Buddy Bidet <laughs> Toilet Attachment. So, somebody texted, what did I miss just tuning in? Okay, here's how we got here. Here's the train of thought. Uh, Richard thinks I'm hard on stadium design, which is true. Uh, th- there's a lot of stadiums that I don't like, some that I do. The, the new Titan Stadium, to me, looks like a Top Golf. Top Golf is fun. It just looks like a Top Golf. Then we mentioned Atlanta's relatively new stadium and how it cost them a few hundred million dollars to fix the roof opening, and it kind of looks like a toilet, but a fancy toilet like one that has a bidet. And Richard spent the commercial break looking up bidets, and here we are. And, and before the break, I asked K-Dad if he was a bidet guy, and apparently a lot of you are. Yeah, surprisingly uh, so. Would not have guessed. Uh, C Spire text line, the bidet attachment you can get for your current toilet is amazing. That's from Chris in Oxford. I have a friend who just texted me. He does a lot of business in Japan. He says all the hotels have bidets. Uh, Jeff says, used one earlier today, that cold water will wake you up. I bet. I'm 100% a bidet guy. Didn't know I was until we got to one. Or we got one. First time I went to Italy, saw a bidet. It scared the heck out of me. Went back a few years later for the second time. Had the courage to use one. Life-changing. Americans don't know what they're missing. Stately Cross Manor is getting a bidet from this conversation. I can tell. Like two weeks from now, he's gonna. Hey guys, guess what came in? We're gonna. Guys, remember when we were talking about bidets? Well, I got one. And whoo boy, the Amazon package hit my front door. That's a door. game changer. Yeah, Gr- great licensing opportunities. Bulldog bidet, Land Shark bidet, Eagle bidet. Why not? Okay. <laughs> oh God, I love when I think of jokes I can't tell. God, Borky gets to hear them though. Not tell him in the break. Oh, um, man. So I'm confused on hey, the toilet. So they so come with a blow dryer? Are you ready? 
There, there are multiple people that are asking questions about drying. And um, apparently there are multiple options. You can air dry, or you can... Um... <laughs> Did you send me this message also? Hey, hey I feel, I feel nah. like you could have said that. I, I think you, you, you might have. You may know it? Well, there may, there may the be a reprimand passed. in our future. I think our HR... No, nah, no, nah, I don't, I don't feel like dealing with that. And HR is listening. I'm gonna start but... texting my my jokes that to our HR people. Be like, is can, this, I say this? can I go? <laughs> so I'll send Richard a text here. Brandon and Corinth thinks that um, there was, or, or no, it wasn't Brandon. Somebody missed an ARP, a marketing opportunity during the toilet paper shortage of 2020. That might have been the bidet's big opportunity in the uh, in the United States. Brian in Tupelo says, yeah, the physics and logistics still don't work in my mind. <laughs> I, I, I do, I, you know, it's tough to picture. I don't know how it works, but, you know. It's one of those things, like, if I went into a hotel and they had one, I'd give it a go, see how it works, take it from there. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, theoretically, it's an alternative to toilet paper. That's what a bidet is. Right. When you say, how does it work? Well, it's like a water hose attached to a toilet. That's how it works. Hmm. <laughs> Jump cut. Sports Talk Mississippi, glad to yeah. be with you in the Pearl River Resort <laughs> Studios on this Wednesday afternoon. And that was your college football fix. Ooh. Pearl River Resort Quinn Sean is... Judkins couldn't put his foot in the ground and cut any better than that did. Yeah, let's Goodness just... Uh, we'll, we'll come back to Pearl River Resort in, in a bit. Um... <laughs> College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. 2023 F-150. They are nice. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. The Colorado Deion Sanders processing transfer portal story is getting layers. There's a really good story today in The Athletic, and it's worth a read. Probably won't get to all of it. The athlete that was featured in the story is a Colorado legacy offensive lineman, and he was supposed to have a meeting with Coach Prime on Monday. But while sitting down for a meal, he got a text that his meeting had been moved up a day from his offensive line coach. The offensive line coach meets him at the door to the facility and apologizes for calling him on short notice. By the way, coaches don't ever apologize for asking players to come do something on short notice. And uh, what was Gray's first name, Borky? Uh, His father was Lamar Gray. Travis Gray. Travis Gray in the... The athletic story says, he's walking with me, and he said, hey, buddy, you're going to get cut today. I'm sorry to tell you this. I didn't want you to hear it from Coach Prime. I wanted you to hear it from my mouth. I didn't want to cut you, but we had to cut five offensive linemen, and you were the last one. Gray walked into Sanders' office. His head was down. Then he looked up, and I was like, oh, goodness. I saw the mean mug in his face, Gray said. He told me, you're six foot eight, 320 pounds. I know in my heart of hearts a school is going to pick you up in the portal when you enter. Make your weaknesses your strengths and keep progressing. I hope you have a great future. 
It just won't be here at the University of Colorado. And there's line after line of of these quotes. Uh, There's a a player, a former tight end, that uh, didn't get into any games, was told to transfer, and and asked Colorado for some practice film because Mm -hmm. he wants to show coaches. Now, I saw a reporter say that an SEC coach won't take a player if they don't have game film. The kid's not trying to transfer to the SEC. He's trying to just go play somewhere. Furman or Chattanooga or whoever will take him, but Colorado's not giving him his practice film. And apparently, according to multiple people, that's standard practice, especially when it's a guy that hasn't played and you're not worried about him going to like your arch rival or whatever that you know Mm -hmm. he's going to go down a level. You give him his practice film so he can go somewhere to play. But it's another player, his first meeting he ever had with his head coach was, I'm cutting you. His first meeting he ever had with his coach was, I'm cutting you. Yeah. And well, to be fair, after, there was after a lot se- of rumor about this at Jackson State that the players who were there at Jackson State when Dion arrived did not have great relationships with Dion. Um, after Saturday's spring game, Dion Sanders said to his team, you all know that we're going to move on from some of the team members and we're going to reload and get some kids that we really identify with. So this process is going to be quick. It's going to be fast. But we're going to get it done. We've got to make some decisions. That's going to be on me now. Zach Courtney, the tight end that Borky was talking about a second ago, says, none of the new coaches would talk to the old players and treat us the same as the people they brought in. The new guys wouldn't be picked on as much in film. Coaches would tell them to just do better, but if it was an old player, they'd keep going off on what you did wrong and keep yelling about it. I'm not sure he knew the names of half the kids he got rid of. He was worried about who he brought in. If you were on the 1-11 team, it seemed like he didn't really care about us at all. He already said he was going to get rid of 25 to 30 of us, and that's exactly what he did. So what's the next step in this story? Let's talk about that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hi with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Find them online at genteelapparel.com or at men's specialty stores across the state of Mississippi. Reminder that Genteel has an event that is happening at Landry's on the Square in Oxford this Saturday. As part of Double Decker, if you buy $300 worth of Genteel merchandise at Landry's, you will receive a gift, and it's a really nice gift as well. It's uh, It's one of those... What is it, 24-ounce Yeti tumblers? It's a solid black tumbler, and it's got the uh, Genteel logo engraved on the cup, one of those Yeti cups. Really nice gift. And so uh, if you are perhaps in the market to update or upgrade your wardrobe a little bit with some stuff from Genteel, you can do that at Landry's and get the free gift this weekend. And, of course, Genteel's got the Collegiate Collection, which is available online and at their retailers, genteelapparel.com. Help you look your best in your old Miss gear, your state gear, your Southern Miss gear. When you go to the ballpark, when you go to tailgate this fall, wherever it is, maybe you're just hanging out on the golf course. 
and uh, you can uh, enjoy that. GenteelApparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Visit PearlRiverResort.com. So I, I asked the question a second ago. Another does... portal edition, by the way, for Colorado, a Michigan transfer who played in the college football playoff, transferred to Colorado in January, just hit the portal. There's another hmm. one. Wow. I think he's the fourth today. So we talked yesterday, it's 18. I think it's now 22. Okay. And that hmm. takes it to 68? I think. Since Deion Sanders got the job? And he was on Pat McAfee's show today, and, and McAfee made reference to the number of players that hit the portal, and his response was, is that all? Hmm. All right, so I asked the question before the break, how does the story advance? There are, I think there's some layers here. Number one, to a certain degree, but not nearly to the level of Colorado. This has been happening, right? We've just had a, a nice, a, a softer word for it than cut. We've used processed. Nick Saban processes players at Alabama. Lane Kiffin processes players sometimes at Ole Miss. Mike Leach processed players. Zach Arnett will process every, players. Sam Pittman processes every players. Every coach processes Everybody players. processes players. What does that mean? It means they get cut. They tell guys, hey, we're going to help you find a new home. Hey, you don't fit into what we're trying to do. Hey, we've got another guy for your spot. You need to find another home. And guys enter the transfer portal. And it's just part of college football today. Now, Borky made a really good point this morning when we were talking about this. He said, this is the part that they don't want you to know about in terms of college football. And I said, who are you talking about? They. And Borky said, what? The powers. The leaders, the leaders of the sport. They, that, they don't want it because it was either yesterday or today the new head of the NCAA said. Charlie Baker. Charlie Baker said the players don't want to become employees because then they can get fired. On the same day, Deion Sanders is openly firing his players, in effect. Cutting is firing. It's the same thing. When cuts happen in the NFL, those players don't have jobs anymore. It's the exact same thing. On the same day this is all going down, the head of the NCAA says, if things change, players can get fired. It's not. That's not good. Uh, Mike says, so if these 40 guys don't transfer and they stay in school in Boulder, Colorado is on the hook for 125 scholarships? So i got to do a little yeah. bit of digging on the whole scholarship thing. Because I've read both, right? I mean, I have read that you know Colorado is honoring the scholarships, but they're opening up those spots on the football team. And I don't know exactly what that means. I do know that the SEC put a rule in where you had to honor scholarships. Was it a one-year thing or was that a four-year thing? If if you sign a player out of high school and you tell them they can't play on your football team anymore, do you still have to pay for their school for four years? I, I, I honestly don't remember. Hmm. Caleb and Starkville says, one player that I have not seen cut or transfer yet is Carter Edwards from PCS in Hattiesburg. 
left tackle for Colorado. Good for him. But this does, I mean, it would create such an interesting conversation because up until now, and Nick Saban even talked about it recently, I feel like coaches are starting to push back a little bit. And and people are starting to push back a little bit because for the last few years, the players have gotten whatever they've wanted. Some of it I agree with. I think that legal adults should be allowed to use their own name to make money because this is America. However, but that's, but that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing here. But there are contracts in any walk of life, but especially in professional sports, right? It, Derek Carr can't just say, sorry, Saints, I'm going to go play for the Bucks next year. Can't do it. He's under contract. Hell, coaches can't even do that at the next level. Sean Payton had to get traded to Denver. Remember that? Because he had a contract with the Saints. He couldn't leave until Denver gave the Saints something. Yeah. Imagine how different the Lane Kiffin-Auburn stuff last year would have felt had Auburn had to give Ole Miss money to get Lane Kiffin. So, but the players have gotten whatever they've wanted. This feels like a bit of a pushback. Now, Dion's approaching this like NFL teams do. But but take Saban's quote. A guy that's been so against all this for so long finally said, players think this is a one-way street. They think that they can go put their name in the portal and get better options. Guess what? I can go find better options, too. You get a message that says college football is a business now. Dion is treating it like a business. Yeah, but it's not just now a business. It's been a business. It's just never been this brazen, out in the open, obvious. Handle this, this is way. a this is a sausage factory with glass windows across the front of the building, where you get to watch it be made. And you've heard the saying forever: it's not pretty to watch the sausage be made. You you just enjoy the sausage on your biscuit. You don't want to see how it's made. Well, you're getting a peek behind the curtain here. So. Somebody says, aren't scholarships on a one-year basis and renewed each year? Forever, that has been the case. They are one-year contracts that are renewable year after year. And you just I'm just going to have to ask you to forgive me for not remembering the details, but a couple or a few years ago, this was talked about a lot, about multi-year scholarships. And I don't remember if that was put in place in the SEC, if it was put in place across college football. That's why I said a second ago, I'm gonna have to do a little more digging on that, and and get a little more clarity on that. I just I don't remember. There's been so much change in college football in recent years. I just don't remember the answer. We got a message here that says, "When you go one and eleven, what do you want to do? Keep them for being bad?" No, I, I don't necessarily. That used to be what you had to do. Yeah. yeah you couldn't do this. Well, and, so, yeah, I mean, and, I, I understand. I understand not, I mean, some of those guys have to go, but, geez, wholesale change like this, do you have no faith in your ability as a coach to, to coach guys up and develop them? Well, And not every player on the team was bad. And good players, productive players from that team are gone. We're forced out. We're told to go. If you believe the article, which, you know, it's only the perspective of the players, and the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle, but... How do you think Rick George feels about this? He's the athletics director at Colorado. You think he fully knew what he was signing was up coming. for with Deion Sanders? 
I think so. Had to have known. I think Deion was probably very open about it. I mean, my guess is Rick George looked around at Folsom Field in Boulder on Saturday and saw 47,000 people there and is looking at their season ticket numbers going into this upcoming season and is feeling pretty good about his decision. I just can't help but wonder if he's a little uncomfortable. Like, I mean, I knew we were going to have turnover, but I didn't know it was going to be three-quarters of the roster. And, hey, here's the other thing, right? Until a couple of years ago, you couldn't have done this because your maximum size signing class was 25. Yeah. And then they allowed you to start back counting with seniors that had graduated, and now it's you can your max is 85, and you've got the they're going to bring in 60 new players. 50 new players, something like that. Another message is if Dion wins, nobody will say anything. Well, that's true. It's true. That's life. Yeah. The best salesperson in your company can be a massive piece of you-know-what, but if he's selling the most in the company, guess who's going to stick around? Yeah. Got to be a producer. Got to be a producer. I would say you got to deliver ratings, but that was proven not to be true this week earlier. Tucker. Well. I mean, there was some other stuff there. Like, if you're the leading sales guy, you probably don't need to talk bad publicly about your boss. There even was if you some are the other stuff guy. there. It's quite the understatement, but go ahead. Is that, is that fair? There was some other stuff there also? There was some other stuff there. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back with you after this. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. It was, um, it was not a low scoring affair last night in New Orleans. There are a couple of big innings for Southern Miss. Eight runs in the top of the third inning turned a two nothing deficit in an eight to two lead. And then three runs in the top of the ninth inning which turned a 10-8 deficit into an 11-10 lead. And then a save at the end as Justin Storm pitched the final inning with a couple of strikeouts. And Southern Miss won 11-10 over Tulane last night in New Orleans to get to 24-15 and overall. Luke, that's a good win, especially given some of the issues in the midweek this year. It's a good win, but I think people probably used multiple doses of uh, blood pressure medicine last night and – Eagles tried to tried to give it away late, had that eight spot, and and then um, Dickerson gets on in the ninth, and uh, Wilkes hits a bomb, and then they change pitchers, and the first pitch of the new pitcher, Sergeant goes oppo bomb, which is good to see him uh, starting to get you know some power back, and then Justin Storm, probably Storm's best ninth inning, the last batter he faced was uh, was Schultz for Tulane, he'd already hit two home runs, and. And Storm took care of him uh, to to end the game, but yeah, it was a, it was a fun one at Turchin. Uh, Eagles went with with Johnny Holstaff's kind of the way they are. Sibley started it, and it was just like a midweek bullpen for him. 
Uh, they're going to do the same thing now against Louisiana Tech with Nico Mazza um, starting. So that's just kind of the approach they're taking in the midweeks for these last uh, few weeks. How about the season that Slade Wilkes is having? He's hitting 338, 16 bombs, 11 doubles, got a triple. He's driven in 45 on the season. He's just been really, really steady. He has, and it's been his ability to be more patient. Um, last year, uh, he would swing at some bad pitches kind of early in the, in the count and get behind. And, uh, and then, you know, pretty much if he got behind, he was going to strike out. But, but this year, he's learned to hit secondary pitches. And uh, he's been more patient. Still striking out. I mean, he's a slugger. But I mean, you look at the OPS and and uh, what what he's doing. You know, it, it's it's pretty remarkable how he has developed. And there's been you know chatter, uh, people frustrated with some offensive stuff. And and Travis Creel's names gets gets thrown under the bus sometimes. But and I'll tell you what. I mean, Wilkes has improved drastically as not just a, a power hitter, but as a contact hitter under uh, Travis Creel. Are you still surprised when you look at kind of the the team numbers, the overall numbers, and you see a Danny Lynch hitting two forty two, Carson Pato hitting two thirty nine, Reese Ewing hitting two thirty five, Sargent hitting two eleven? I mean, that, that's just not what we expected from those four guys in particular. Yeah, the one that really scratches your head, you know, a lot is is Pato. Um, Ewing's is down, and and some of that's just because. Uh, Ewing, you know, he's been platooned a little bit, uh, but, but Peto was given the opportunity early on. You know, he started in a three hole and that's kind of everybody saw him going on. Um, I, Lynch ha- has had moments where, uh, you know, he had, he, he batted over 300 a few years back. Um, I would be, I would think that he would be more in the 260 to 270 range, but I mean, before, uh, I think last weekend, he was somewhere in, in the, the high 260s, low 270s. So, so some of these guys are, are dipping back and forth. On the flip side, the encouraging one, you look at Christopher Sargent and you say 211, what's up with that? But I mean, that has risen drastically over the last <laughs> month. And, and Lynch is really, he's dropped back down to 240, but like I said, where he was up, that, that was, that's allowing Slade Wilts to continue at what he's doing because it finally gave him some protection in, in, in the lineup. D1 Baseball's most recent projection has Southern Miss as a two-seed in Baton Rouge. Is that good news or bad news? LSU is the number one overall seed in the tournament. Um, I, I mean, I think if you're Southern Miss and you have early projections like this, I mean, where else are you going to go? You know, I mean, you you could go to Gainesville, um, there was, you know, a few people out there that was saying Dallas because Dallas Baptist is, is hosting, which would be unique since they already played earlier in the year. But, uh, we talked to Aaron Fitt today. He was on the, on the Eagle Hour and he basically said, you know, if you're not going to host, um, in a normal year, you're going to end up in, you know, Oxford, Oxford, Starkville, Baton Rouge, Fayetteville. That's just part of it. I mean, that, that's just the way that, that they're, they're doing now. It was interesting. Aaron Fitt still said, and and uh, outside shot, you know, Southern Miss is still in uh, twenty-two teams. That if they go on a roll, um, they could possibly host. I think the RPI is going to take a, a hit, uh, unlike it has all season the next few weeks. But um, yeah, I, who knows if if you get on a run? But yeah, I would. Uh, you and I were, were discussing it during the break. I don't want to be in Baton Rouge uh, because there's no way that Jay Johnson is throwing Paul Skeens against the four team. And so whoever the two-seed is in Baton Rouge will see the best pitcher in the nation game two. And he's pretty good. 
I mean, saw him, saw him in person last Friday night and, uh, you know, maybe not as dominant as he has been at times this year. I thought the, the velocity was down a little bit instead of being 99 to 102. He was like 97 to 99. I mean, I know that's still pretty dominant in, uh, in college baseball and he had double digit strikeouts in the game, but yeah. You know the the thing for me is though they pretty good punch uh, two one two punch Ty Floyd was was good as their second starter as well but I, I tend to agree with you that, that they're going to try to win that first game with whomever they can but given LSU's pitching situation and and kind of a lack of depth because of some injuries it's not like they can just run their midweek guy out there because the midweek guy last night lost to Nichols and you know two weeks ago lost to Louisiana. And I don't even know that they really know who that midweek guy is, quote unquote. Yeah, and and that's I think some teams are finding themselves like that. the The other storyline would be um, I can't remember if it's Baseball America. Don't don't quote me on that. But it was last week an early projection had Southern Miss going to Gainesville, and so that would mean that if you win Game One, you're facing your old teammate Hurston Waldrop, you know, in Game Two, yeah. which yeah, he's. He's a phenomenal pitcher, but I mean, it's stuff that, you know, the Eagles have seen before. But regardless, right now, um, you got to win series. And if you win series, uh, you probably will not still, you know, you're, you're not going to host, um, because the RPI is going to take a hit. I mean, La Tech tonight, 132, Arkansas State this weekend, 242, Tulane's at 203, South Owls at 119, ULM's at 217, and then Louisiana right now is at 74. And so, Whereas up until last night, Southern Miss did not have a single quad four game in their RPI. Mm. They're about to have a whole slew of them down the stretch. Yeah. And so the only way you counteract an RPI hit is to stack up a ton of wins. And that's what, that's what you've got to do. I mean, you, you got to avenge, uh, the, the lot that you got to win tonight and you just have to sweep like these home. These home uh, against uh, Arkies, you can probably split, or you can probably win a series against South Al, but you got to sweep Arkansas State. You just have to. And yeah. so, you know, you're you're 24 right now. You got 14 to go. If you can get to 35 to 36, you know, going into the tournament, might get fun there for a minute. Might be. We'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. Anything you're watching draft-wise, um, obviously not tomorrow night, but over the course of days two and three uh, as it pertains to Southern Miss football? Yeah, the number one guy would be Jason Brownlee. It's kind of interesting. ESPN put out their mock draft today, and he's not listed in seven rounds, but Kuiper actually had him inside the top 100 um, <laughs> You know, overall prospects, which is, I found pretty interesting. I can see uh, Brownlee going like fifth to sixth round. Eric Scott's another guy uh, at 6'2". A four-four guy at cornerback. Patriots really uh, showed some interest in him. I could see him, you know, going sixth or seventh. But those two guys obviously will land somewhere um, if they if they don't get drafted. But I, I think even like a, a six-round Brownlee has an opportunity to to be a real steal for somebody just because of his ability to go up and catch the football. Yeah, he had great numbers, right? I mean, he, he was he was he one of the ones that got banged up during the season. Missed some time, or was he, he was able to out go the whole way? He was out for a, a few weeks, but I mean, you know, you put him up in a jump ball situation, he's like a force field, you know. And I mean, you you look at the numbers that he had with how just volatile the quarterback situation was. I'm I'm sure Frank probably had more touchdown passes to him than anybody else. So that just <laughs> kind of shows, you know, what he can do. 
I wonder what it'll look like for Frank Gore Jr. a year from now. You, you got to feel like with his pedigree and the way that running backs uh, have specific roles. I mean, I think he there's a case to be made if he were to bolt just a little bit. He's going to be a great third down back. I mean, great receiving back out, out of the backfield. I think he has an opportunity to do that. I don't think return game will be will be his strength. But as far as his IQ and what he can do in open space, I think somebody would, would take a chance at him. And you know his dad will be lobbying for him big time. Yeah, I, I would think so. Would would be his biggest advocate. Six o'clock tonight, Pete Taylor Park, Louisiana Tech, round two. That was uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, Tech got that three to one. Actually, it was last Tuesday night. Three to one victory uh, last Tuesday night. Uh, busy week continues. Got the win last night over Tulane. Tech tonight. Arkansas State this weekend. So the mystery trying to have a big week in baseball. Luke, thanks, man. Good to catch it up. Thanks, Richard. See you later. Luke Johnson from the Eagle Hour, Super Talk Mississippi, Laurel and Hattiesburg, and online available at supertalk.fm. Don't forget, Thunder and Lightning on the radio coming up when we get finished tonight here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad is mad. He wanted to rub it in my face that I forgot to mention that, but I remembered. Uh, he got me. Back to the Pearl River Resort Studios right after this. Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Some uh, some congratulations are in order give you those in just a second, but first remind you that Sports Talk Mississippi will be on the square in Oxford on Friday for the annual Double Decker Arts Festival. Tons of things happening at this year's Double Decker Festival, including music from Southern Rock Band, Blackberry Smoke, and the Magnolia State's very own Chapel Heart. We will be in front of Visit Oxford on Friday from 3 until 6. Love for you to stop by and say hi if you are in the area. Sports Talk Mississippi from Double Decker this Friday. So the congratulations that are in order. For the first time in program history, the Mississippi State women's golf team earned a number one seed in the upcoming NCAA tournament. They will be the number one seed in the Westfield Regional, Westfield, Indiana. They're playing at the club at Chatham Hills. Regional play starts on May 8th, goes through the 9th and the 10th. Mississippi State joined in that field by Oregon, Vanderbilt, Iowa State, Virginia, Tulsa, Tennessee, Michigan, Oregon State, Xavier, Lipscomb, and Moorhead State. The top five teams and the top individual performer from a non-advancing team will move on to the NCAA Women's Golf Championship, which will be at Greyhawk Golf Club in Scottsdale. So that is in Starkville in Oxford, the 16th-ranked Ole Miss women's golf team has received a bid of the NCAA regional field as well. They are headed to Athens, Georgia. They are the number three seed in the region. Um, Georgia, the host, is the number five seed. And you've got South Carolina, also from the SEC, who is the number one seed in the Athens regional. It's the 14th time in program history that the Rebels have received a regional bid and now four consecutive trips to the NCAA tournament. Of course, two years ago, 
Ole Miss won the national championship. They are looking to be one of the five teams that will advance to Scottsdale May 19th through the 24th. So, congratulations to both the Mississippi State and Ole Miss women's golf teams headed for uh, postseason play. Those two programs have been very cool. Done a really good job. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, we talk about it all the time, especially you two. I mean, this is a great golf state. You know, this is a state where golf has some meaning. you got great golf courses around the state, and it's good to see both college programs uh, playing at such a high level. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. It's good stuff. Congratulations to uh, all of them. So, um, as we wrap things up, what's coming up on uh, on Thunder and Lightning tonight? We're going to look a little more at that, that topic we were talking about earlier and sort of ask, why has Mississippi State, talk about it more from a Mississippi State perspective, why has Mississippi State been able to dominate Ole Miss this year? Is it something that can last a year or two? Things like that. We'll also talk about the NFL draft, Emmanuel Forbes, where is he going to head? And, of course, talk some baseball, big series coming up with Tennessee. We'll see if State can do something. Do something. Something. But something you're talking about is win, right? Can they win the series on the road against Tennessee? Can they win a game? Let's 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 let's, let's, let's bottle up those expectations a little bit. Yeah. Just get a get a win in there. Okay. Get a message that says you guys need to talk more about why Division uh, D1 baseball has LSU as the number one overall seed. Why? Because their roster. Because the team is in the same conference as LSU, doing better than they are. It's ridiculous how reputation supersedes performance on the field. Well, there is this one thing, and that is LSU's RPI, which is... What in the world happened here? I thought I had it up. LSU RPI. Are they still number one? Well, they weren't a few weeks ago. Kentucky was. Uh, as of this moment in time, they are fourth. Okay. Strength of schedule is what? Uh, 39th. Okay. The, the reason they're number one is they have been number, they were number one at the start of the year, and they haven't really done anything to make them lose it. They haven't lost a series. They've lost some games here. They had a bad loss last night. We didn't talk about the SEC. had a rough night last night. But yeah, it's kind of gross. They, they haven't. When you don't lose series, you get to stay number one. And it's weekend series, right? I mean, it's weekend series that uh, yeah. that make the difference. South Carolina's got like the I best said, record in the SEC at thirteen and four. LSU's twelve and five. They're only one game back. I mean, that sweep last week kind of pushed them and they, forward. And they didn't place. They had they had a game against South Carolina. They got rained out. So I mean, they right. could have taken that series. We don't know. I mean, I said on Monday, you can make a really strong case for South Carolina to be number one in the nation. I wouldn't argue against you. No. But when you're number one and you keep winning, you get to stay number one. It's as simple as that. Uh, last night in the SEC, Georgia State beat Georgia nine to seven. Ole Miss hosts Georgia this weekend. Tennessee beat Bellarmine nineteen to one. They seem to be swinging it a little bit better. Uh, Florida did win against North Florida. Louisville blanked Kentucky seven to nothing in Lexington. Alabama mm-hmm. beat Samford. State beats Ole Miss. Troy beat Auburn eight to seven. Sam Houston State beat Texas A and M nine to two. Nichols beat LSU six to five. Missouri State beat Arkansas 8-4. Carnage last night in the SEC. 
Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Don't forget you get the news from Fox and then from Super Talk and then Thunder and Lightning are right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good night. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.